welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. And today, it's my pleasure to be here with Gianna Magnoli, the managing editor of Newstalk. Uh, this is really cool for me because I love interviewing journalists. And it's also really cool because I get to interview essentially my boss and uh, my colleague and somebody I have a lot of respect for. So I appreciate you taking time, Gianna, to sit down and talk to me on it. Saturday morning about yeah. what it's like to be a journalist. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, no, this is really cool. And I appreciate I've started to do these in-person face-to-face podcasts. So uh, th- this is fun. And I think we get a better conversation this way. So, oh, I think so too. This is more fun yeah. than Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Gianna, I wanted to sort of talk because you, you you do so much at Newshawk, um, you know, as managing editor, you're also a reporter, you do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And I'm wondering if we could just talk a little bit about Newshawk and what your role is and what role Newshawk plays here in the landscape, the media landscape of, of Santa Barbara. Yeah, definitely. And it's changed a lot since I came on because I've been at Newshawk for more than 12 years. And when I started, I was a reporter. I was a general assignment reporter, like a lot of our staff start as. And over time, I took on more of an editor role. And now as managing editor, I have a lot of hats that would be different jobs in the larger organization. Right. <laughs> I think all journalists at a small organization can identify with. Yeah. Uh, so I am essentially an assignment editor, finding stories that I think we all should cover. And then I am a reporter too, so I write a lot of stories as well, especially with the COVID pandemic, I ended up writing a lot of those stories. And of course, looking for breaking news stuff that happens and organizing our our story budgets to make sure we have things every day that we're not missing anything, managing reporters and freelance photographers and all of the columns that come in and making sure that everything gets on the website. I am also one of the people that's actually editing stories, posting stories posting them on social media, all of that stuff. Um, and then all that background stuff, the exciting like content management system organization too. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people, they just see the byline. They see the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was like, oh, you know, Josh wrote this story. Jade wrote this story, you know, and, and really what you do is write, but also you're editing, you're planning, you're organizing, you've done some graphics for my stories. You will take photos, you know, so kind of a, a jack of all trades. Uh, you graduate at Cal Poly. So can you talk a little bit about sort of, there's a lot of options, right? Like journalists can try to go like, I'm going to go work for the LA Times. You know, I'm going to go work for the big papers and, and that that's one route. And then there's other routes where you kind of like do what you did, which is a startup, an online, a new organization and be sort of instrumental in, in everything. Can you talk a little bit about like your journey and why you chose Newshawk and how it's, you know, what, what's appealing about sort of being part of this organization as it grows? Yeah, definitely. I, when I graduated Cal Poly with my journalism degree, I wanted to get a job in journalism, of course, like I had been part of the Mustang Daily there, the student news, and for three of my four years there, and I really wanted to keep working in news. Um, so I basically just emailed every news outlet in San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara County. And Bill, the founder and publisher of Newshawk was the one who called me back. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up getting an interview and it ended up at Newshawk. And I really was drawn to the idea of getting to, to help build something and having no hierarchy. I experienced that in student media where if you thought you could tackle that story, mm-hmm. you can do it. Like no one's gonna take it from you and give it to a higher up. 
And I found that at News Hawk too, where I could, if I thought I could do it, I would get help doing it and I could write any story that I was ambitious enough to take on. And I loved that. Right. Yeah. So you just, you applied and Bill responded and talked Yeah, I just like cold emailed people, okay. like a dozen people. Right. And he called me. Uh-huh. And so you were part of the original team because yeah. like I've been around, but I mean, I started News Hawk in 2014 and then I took a break and then came yeah. out. Uh, but you were part of the original team, right? So that was you and Laura Cooper. And- yeah, so I came on two years in. Okay. So there were people here before me, but um, when I came, it was just me and Laura okay. um, Cooper as the as the reporters. So we we were like, we and we didn't have an office yet. Like um, Bill had an office out of the what's now the Right Scale Building down in Gutierrez, like the oh, big like kind of, yeah. Hub. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the incubator. Right. Um, so you know we we worked and we were like on, you know, Google chat with each other all day long, like finding stories and, and doing all of that. And it was very, um, we had to come up, like you had to be very self-motivated, right? Like we had to come up with a lot of this stuff ourselves. Um, but yeah, that it was early on, it was just us too. So it's really grown a lot. And I think Newsock grew from that, which really was like the startup, you know, new news in town or when I started, you know, most people I called didn't know what Newshawk was right. and now, I mean, we're, we're established and trusted in the community and we had covered the entire county, which when I started, we only covered um, mostly Santa Barbara Goleta mm-hmm. on the South Coast. So what was that like? So, so Laura was here, you start, yeah. are you sort of like confident this is going to work? Are you sort of unsure? Because obviously, Newshawk is like very successful now and it's sort of like, well, everybody knows what Newshawk is, but you know, at the beginning, you know, it's tough yeah. to make inroads. So, Talk to me a little bit about what what it was like. Did you ever think, oh, maybe I should consider going to a bigger paper or I don't know if this is going to work, you know, for me. Like, can you talk about like being a young journalist? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, I I liked being able to do all the do all the jobs and learn to do all the jobs Um, that made me feel more confident in it. I mean, it was definitely scary at first. I think any journalist going to a new job, you have to learn what you're doing and learn about the community. Cause you know, I, I came here from San Luis Obispo so I hadn't lived here before, but it, I mean, I, I liked what we were doing. And at the time, obviously there was like a void in just that like basic daily government schools coverage in Santa Barbara. So that was the role we were filling. And I think people were just happy someone was going to school board again. <laughs> so was that your first beat? Were you covering schools? I was covering schools. And then we were doing like school city council was like our bread and butter. We weren't doing a lot of breaking news in those early days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was like really the the early stuff. Because I know that when I was first hired at Newshawk, you know, and, and people would say to me, oh, Josh, you're, you're going to be part of Newshawk. That's great. Gianna and Laura, Laura, they're great. Like they're they're a great duo. They're really good. Like I remember like oh, getting nice. those compliments, <laughs> you know. And so so I, I know that you were working hard. What were some of those stories you covered back then, like on the school board or city council that, that you can recall? Probably seems like a eternity yeah. ago. But, <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. Um well I remember what were some of the issues? I remember the school district stuff was a lot. I covered a lot of the special education stuff because they were that was back when they were going yeah. through like a directory year, yeah. if you remember that. Yeah. Um, so that was going on. And city council obviously was like all different people than there are now on the Santa Barbara City Council. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a lot of, of similar things that there are now in, in the schools about um, equity and with the city council, there's a lot of 
planning. We did a lot of planning development stories, even then not as many as you can do now, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot of like, a lot of similar things, but it really helped me develop like that foundational and you find out what your readers want, right? That's the great thing about online is we can see what people are reading and want to read because we have the numbers for everything. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's go back a little bit. You grew up in San Jose. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. San Jose yep. proper? What part yep. of San Jose? Yeah, actual San Jose. I'm okay. not rounding up to the next biggest metro. <laughs> <Is it Cupertino? laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was always the thing. So like actually uh, South San Jose. Okay. So near near like Campbell and Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, so, so you probably know San Jose plenty, plenty well because you worked up there for quite a while. I had such a strange experience <laughs> in San Jose because I lived like in the weirdest places. Like I lived at the extended stay for like six months because they they like put me up. They, like this is like at the end of the heyday of when news big the big companies had tons yeah. of money. <laughs> so they put me up and then I lived in Palo Alto, I lived in Los Gatos, I lived in Santa Cruz. But you know, you're kind of driving all around, you know, to all these little communities. Yeah. It's so such a different journalistic lifestyle in Santa, Santa Barbara. So yeah. you grew up in San Jose. Did you mm -hmm. always want to be a journalist yeah. or what was on your mind? Is it, you know, no. high school or something? Like, well, when I was a kid, like I've always loved to read like, you know, fiction, anything. Yeah. Um, and I, I like to write too. So when I was younger, I thought maybe I would be able to do something with writing. And then it was high school where I really like, I mean, people from like the San Jose Mercury News, like, did come to the high school and talk about how awesome journalism was. And we had journalism classes in my high school. So I was on the paper there and I really loved, I loved that. I loved, um, I was, I was editor of my high school paper too. So I got to know like what that was like managing it. And I just really, I was, I was interested in everything and a great way to not nail down one field to do was do journalism and get to learn about everything and talk to people in every field. It's like going to school so, every day. Yeah, it is. And that really day. appeals to me because, yeah. right? Like, except I get paid instead of having to pay for right. it. <laughs> so that really appealed to me. And I found like the journalism program at Cal Poly and I was like, yeah, this is it, so. What do your parents do? What were their jobs, professions? Oh uh, yeah, my dad is a contractor and my mom's like a bookkeeper. Okay, so, so no journalism in the family. No, anything. not in the family. What did they say when you said you want to go to journalism? They were like, you need to do something that makes more money, you know? <laughs> no, I think it's, I had a, I wanted to do something that I would have marketable skills and be able to get a job right out of college. And they figured like those are all really good skills that they figured, they knew I'd be able to get something. Right. Like with that degree <laughs> and the skills I learned in college, so. Mm -hmm. So uh, Cal Poly, uh, there's a famous, um, his, George, is it Ramos? Yeah, that? George Ramos. George Ramos, yeah. He's mm -hmm. a, he's he was a department chair and advisor when I was there, so I got to work with him. And what was that like? A lot. It was good. Like, he's he was very thoughtful, and he was he was quite the character around the newsroom. Like, he oh. would always just come in, <laughs> like, whatever day he was still there, and we were putting together the paper and say, what's on the front page of this rag oh, okay. <laughs> tomorrow? So he was acting like it was a real newsroom, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, we put out a newspaper five days a week when I was there, oh, like a printed newspaper. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. So it was yeah. hardcore. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you were, you were churning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so what were you there? Were you a reporter and then were you the. Yeah. What so editor? I was a reporter and then I was a copy editor and then I was news editor and then I was managing editor. Okay. So you yeah. sort of had the full gamut. What are the stories you Yes, yeah, so I did all the jobs. Yeah. <laughs> What do you cover at Cal Poly Slow? I mean, I, when I, I, I applied to Cal Poly a long time ago, mm -hmm. I got in, I didn't go. Um, it felt like ag stories. Um, 
obviously there's that's like a stereotype, like all oh, they write about this ag. But what, yeah. you know, what, what was your daily coverage like? Yeah, there was a lot. We didn't do. I think the students in the student media there now are better at like covering community stuff, where we mostly just did campus stuff. Okay. Um, you know, because that's easier. That's the sources you know, you're, the people you know, right? So we did a lot of like what what different departments were up to whenever like there was a new president or like new department heads, all that kind of like administrative stuff, um, big social events, community events, protests, that kind of thing on campus. Occasionally we'd have like a wildfire on campus. Um, Weird Al came to visit the journalism department because, you know, he had gone to Cal Poly. Yeah, yeah he had okay. gone there and um, recorded yeah. one of his songs in the bathroom on the journalism department floor. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, we got to write about Weird Al visiting. That was <laughs> funny. <laughs> Good time. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, Cal Poly, you kind of fall in love with it. Like, you, that's yeah. your passion. You like it. And then yeah. you apply. And then you can come to New Talk. And it's sort of a hit. Talk to me. You know, you mentioned like sort of the, the first, you know, few years, but how has News Hawk grown from where it was when you started to where it's at now? Yeah. Yeah. It's grown a ton. Like, we cover, like I said, we kind of went from like startup filling a need to becoming, I'd say, like full service news organization for the county, right? Because we, we cover the entire county. We cover basically every city council. We check on all the school boards. I mean, we've, we've really grown to be that like daily news source that we were kind of filling the gap for. And now we've become, <laughs> we sort of um, become that. And I think it's, it's challenging because we always want to do more. Like I always want to do more. I think we've grown and we're doing really well now, but I always want to do more stories and do more in-depth stories and find, you know, ways to tell stories that we haven't before. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone here wants to do that too, which is so great. Like everyone wants to do more and do better. <laughs> yeah. I think like one of the things I've enjoyed working with you in is like, we're, we think, differently um and so complement each other what i mean by that is i'm like bang 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 daily 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 like old you yeah. know like news, you know city hall school board just like and you are often like let's look at the big picture like let's take a break yeah. let's do sort of a in-depth and a series look and, and i think that's been kind of the, the hallmark of what you've done so far with like some of the projects that you've done. And uh, News Hawk has really gone from being just, you know, like breaking news, although, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's it. yeah. indisputable. <laughs> I mean, we do breaking news better than anyone. I mean, KYT, obviously, you know, TV, but oh, yeah. as far as like, you know, traditional online or print newspaper. Um, so, I mean, that's really cool that you sort of have like the district election series. Or yeah, you with, I like that one. <laughs> you know, uh, Brooke Hunter, her healthcare fellowship mm -hmm. story. And I know you're going to be working with Jade on her, her fellowship story. What are some of the big sort of like legacy hallmark things that you've been a part of with Newsoft in terms of those those series or those yeah. packages? Well, I really do love that. I mean, I'm like you where I, it, it's it's probably like the, the biggest challenge of my job looking at stories and like being a small organization is I want to make sure we cover everything on the daily level, but I also want us to do those larger projects. And that's just, I mean, that's universal. That's not just my issue. Like it's hard to, to do that special project stuff while doing the daily stuff. Right. And some of the ones I'm really proud of are, yeah, even like back, back with Laura back in, back in the day, yeah. <laughs> I say now, I, 2015. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did, we did stories on like opioid, 
overdose and yeah. abuse. Um, and that's won some awards or something, right? I recall it got some attention. Yeah. yeah and that was through a, a data yet fellowship with USC, similar to the one that Jade is doing right now. And Brooke did earlier this so, year. So tell me about yeah. that because I, I, I don't, it was, I think it was before my time or while I was yeah. playing. What was that? Story so we did about? some series in 2011 and 2013. We okay. did one on um, like prescription drug abuse. Um, and that was, you know, that wasn't like the early, early days of the opioid crisis, but it was early on. Um, and that series really showed like the impact on the community of that kind of stuff. And then we did a series on the implementation of the Affordable Care Act because that came around in 2013. Uh Yeah, and just how like primary care providers especially were like getting ready for what they thought was gonna be a big influx of patients. So with with prescription drug abuse, Mm -hmm. so what was the reporting like? You, How did you get your data uh, to what was Yeah, well, we we found it's, it's, kind of similar to a lot of the the health stories where there are data sets that you can find if you know, you kind of have to find out what you're looking for first, right? So we would talk to sources in, you know, the medical field, treatment fields, all that kind of stuff, um, criminal justice system, and find out what the trends are, and then go end up finding data sets wherever we could that kind of back up all the things that they were saying anecdotally, and then talk to the people involved and stakeholders about what was going on, what could be done better and all that stuff. Yeah. And so like you're using county health records and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. state and all that. And was this around the time of that Dr. Death guy on the East side yes. where he got arrested for. Yeah. So like with, because of the sources we developed for that series, we got a tip when he got arrested when okay. Dr. Julio Diaz got arrested and the DEA raided his office on Milpas. Right. Um, <laughs> because he was ultimately convicted um, of overprescribing because his prescriptions were related to the deaths of 11 people, yeah. 11 local residents. Yeah. Cause he, he prescribed just, he prescribed so many opioid pills that several pharmacies just blacklisted him for opioid medication. I mean, they still feel like blood pressure medicine and stuff from his office, but they just wouldn't fill them anymore. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that, that was a, a story. And then you have your big series and it got mm-hmm. a lot of attention. So mm-hmm. it felt very rewarding. Um, and so that was like right when you just started pretty yeah. much, right? So <laughs> yeah, it was like a couple of years after I started. That's pretty cool. You're able to do something that impactful that early. You know, mm-hmm. usually new reporters are covering, uh, you know, crime stuff, you know, weekend stuff. Yeah. That's, you know, what I love, what I do. <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. pretty cool. So you got that. What else? What's been yeah. sort of the other sort of projects you were doing? Uh, well, and then more recently, like you were saying, the district election story, the solution series we did last year. Yeah. Um, was I thought really interesting. And I think we used a lot of the lessons we learned from that series with our election coverage this year, because we're looking at like turnout by district, what the impact of moving to even your elections will probably do. It'll probably boost turnout because we're like the last one standing doing odd year elections in Santa Barbara. Um, And then earlier this year, Brooke did a fellowship, um, a data journalism fellowship, the one that similar to the one Jade's doing now about looking at the toll of COVID in skilled nursing facilities and the farm worker community, because those are two areas that they basically public health experts knew would be hit really hard and they really were. So looking at the the local impact of that and people who are really affected. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about journalism during COVID, okay? Because, you know, I was right there with you, you know, we do it a certain way. You know, we, yeah. we meet for meetings, you know, we, we talk, we'd interact yeah. and all of a sudden COVID hits and it all shuts down. So 
Can you sort of provide a window of how NewsHawk has been able to provide coverage during the vaccine or during COVID and how, yeah. um, you know, how do journalists still do work when it's this, you know, so, there's so many limitations? Yeah, well, it's been hard and like, basically you and like all of the reporters have been amazing being able to like still be able to contact people and luckily you know we had a lot of community sources before all this started and people are willing to talk to us on the phone even if yeah. not in person <laughs> um but it's been really hard i mean it's everything was weird i mean you're dealing with like your personal life being completely thrown out of whack like anyone else's and then you still have to work and at work you're concentrating on this pandemic all day at work right. so you don't get a break from it ever <laughs> um so that that was really hard like it's it's been better like later part of this year when things have calmed down a little bit um but yeah i, I mean luckily everyone at news hawk was has been really like self-motivated and we've been able to all keep in touch even when i mean last year we didn't see each other very much at all like mm -hmm. We didn't get to hang out <laughs> so just i mean we had to do like a lot of people do zoom meetings and talk to sources on the phone outside if they're willing to meet in person which you know it's fine masked up um, we had a lot of pictures of people where you know they're wearing masks mm -hmm. now and that's fine like yeah. that's safer and better than no picture yeah. and i mean yeah. mm -hmm. oh definitely yeah, yeah. like i mean last year and like pictures i think are another has been a really hard thing for us because you know, even if you're trying to get people in a shot out and about, like there'll be no, there were no people who went by for a while last year. And so hopefully people have forgiven us for some of the, our picture choices, a lot of screenshots early on too. Oh yeah, screenshots. <laughs> so I, there, I hope there's a seminar somewhere to teach me how to better screenshot a video so no one has a weird face because I, the amount of screenshots I've tried to get where like no one is, has their eyes closed or looking funny. It's amazing. I know I remember one meeting where I had like, 10 screenshots and they were great yep. photos except one person yep. is doing something I'm like oh i know I, I, we can do it but it, no, yeah. we don't. or the brady bunch one you know you got all the squares yeah exactly especially all the, the meetings right because like even now not everybody is back to in-person meetings like right. city councils and things so we're stuck with stuck with zoom screenshots <laughs> one of the things that i've noticed with uh during covid covering primarily government is sort of this challenge it's become more difficult i feel to, in terms of transparency because you know as you know when a reporter is like in the room watching the meeting there's a different sort of tone yes. and uh they obviously know when you sign on and you know they recognize your name or when there's not a lot of people that you're watching the meeting but it's very different when you're in person and you know, the Board of Supervisors, I guess they meet in person. The City Council is still doing it from their offices. The school board's yeah. in person, but they don't allow public. Yeah. I mean, and I sort of feel, you know, we're journalists. We have to be skeptical, not cynical, but skeptical. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of a um, taking advantage of sort of COVID in terms of like, oh, well, we don't have to deal as much face to face with the reporters or the public. Mm -hmm. Do you get that sense at all that there's a little bit of a uh, uh, a loss of that really hard close yeah. coverage during this period oh i i do and i was actually just talking to janine our north county editor about yeah. that where you know like you'd think like the the public service stuff would be some of the first to come back and yet some of that stuff is still closed or limited hours you know right. which you know if not if not now when like i'm sure there are ways to start expanding stuff back to normal safely and with the government stuff you're right i mean we can't we still can't go 
to some meetings in person. Right. Now, even like, you know, masked up, indoors, distanced, whatever. Right. Um, and I think they need to open them back up. I mean, if you have to do limited capacity for a while, if you need to do extra viewing rooms, people have done things like that. I think you can make it work. But I think, you, you know, I think that's an essential part of democracy is letting the public have access and letting us have access. Like you said, people act differently or we're not there or they know you can just sign on to the Zoom and then they know you're there because you have your name attached to it. I will say though, like video recording all of the meetings and things is really helpful, I think, for members of the public who can't go to a middle of the day meeting. Yeah. And to me, if I have two meetings on the same day, I can watch one the next day is really helpful. So for public access thing, everyone should keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, I um, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, confession, yeah. but you probably know already. So Tuesdays, you know, when the city council meets and the school board, yeah. like, I, can back pause, I can pause and I can go mm -hmm. back. So that is one thing is before, yeah that didn't happen like you had to yep. wait for the meeting to be up mm -hmm. and it would you know so that's yeah. one good thing hopefully that remains the same forever because yeah you know for a small organization where we have to cover multiple meetings a day sometimes oh yeah or you know board of supervisors can go like you know, right eight hours <laughs> i used to have that like two screens and you'd like mute one while you have the other one because they're doing the item you want and then mute that one and go back to the other one like right. live yeah. because they wouldn't record them <laughs> um can you talk a little bit about uh, how you interface with the public? Uh, I know I get emails from people, people who say, great job, I loved your story. People who say, oh, you're wrong, or they'll, maybe they'll just ask questions, they want to know mm -hmm. more information. What sort of interface do you have with the public? Do, do you get angry calls, emails? Uh, how, how do you deal with that sort of people wanting to know more about your software yeah. or say, how could you cover that? You know? Yeah, well, I get not not a ton of angry emails. Um, I have gotten angry emails, but I get, I get them all. usually <laughs> I respond really politely, and then they they get really apologetic in their follow up yeah. email. That's how I go. Kill with kindness, exactly, yeah, and then they feel bad, which <laughs> makes me feel good. Um, but no, honestly, especially with COVID, I've been getting so many more emails than like we ever got before, and that's not just me. Like to the main like news at Newshawk account, and everybody I think has been getting you know, questions, suggestions, everything since since we launched the COVID newsletter too, people will respond to that and say like, oh, that's really helpful. Like, could you find out this for next time? People ask about, people have like questions about numbers, why we, you know, what, like what the case rate is for the county. Maybe we didn't like explain it well enough in early stories, things like that. So I get a lot of like questions with early vaccination stuff. People were like personally emailing me, asking me like where they could find one and where they could get one. And so I was like helping people find appointments and helping people like find out who to call to go to go get one if they're eligible, you know, back when only a few people were eligible. Right. So yeah, like I almost do like a lot of yeah, like I mean, just totally like customer service style, right? I mean, right. people just had questions and I can send them the to link to something or to give them a person or give them like a, an address to go check out, like anything like that. So it got really personal, like during COVID, like people just wanting information and me trying to give them as much as I could. That was useful and wouldn't be out of date like the next day. That was hard. I always love that about journalism is that when people can't get what they want from traditional like government or yeah. business, like they're kind of the journalists and like, can you help me? And yeah. a lot of times we can't. And so that's like a really yeah. good sort of function that we have in the community. We can help by doing a story or, you know, maybe yeah. just referring that to some um, organization, you know, 
So that's like, yeah, it's a really cool side of the journalism that, you know, yeah. you, you feel on the inside, you know, but people don't necessarily sort of, sort of see that. Oh yeah. You know, um, I had uh, Janine on the show. Mm -hmm. I had Jade and Brooke on the show um, and asked them this question. And so I'm going to ask it to you is, is like just being a, a young woman in journalism and what are some of the challenges that you might face or experience, whether it's internally or externally? Um, you know, do you, maybe you don't, um, you know, I, I, I feel as though, uh, depending on who we are and what we look like, we experience the world differently and, yeah. and that's not to blame anyone. It's just how life is. We have to make adjustments and educate people. Um, have you have you faced any sort of uh, you know either perceived explicit implicit challenges sort of being a young woman in, in journalism? Yeah, and I'd say at at Newshawk, no, I've been really lucky. Like I love everyone I work with at Newshawk, and I've never had any of that, which I think a lot of women, regardless of where they work, can't say. Yeah. Um, I've I mean I've never had a woman as a journalism boss. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I've, I haven't had that experience, um, which I think would be cool one day <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. to have. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to be in like some, some fellowships and have like mentors who are women. Mm -hmm. um, but that is not something I've had at least yet in my prof professional career. Um, like out, out and about, I mean, I've been, again, pretty lucky. Most people are polite in Santa Barbara, but I've definitely had people act inappropriately. I mean, people, sources. how many people hug you no. out, in, out in public? No, uh, <laughs> right? I don't know if you remember him, but Babatunde Foliemi, he used to hug me. He's just a hugger. He's a hugs everybody, okay. you know, but no, I've never had a yes. man or woman hug me. Yes. At and any I have, point during an interview process. I have process. had men and women hug me. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is like, right. Which mm -hmm. probably wouldn't if I wasn't a woman. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you respond? Um, do you just do like, or do you like? Yeah, well, that's hard because like some sources you're you're really friendly with, and that yeah. that doesn't count. But it's people where you're like, oh, you're I don't just, know you. Yeah, yeah like, this is this is weird. And then you just don't engage arms. You're just like, this is weird. Yeah, right. Like I'm. It happened a lot more when I was younger, and I didn't know how to respond in that situation. And now I would just be, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Plus now you know, just. With COVID, people are probably doing less inappropriate hugging, I would hope, <laughs> in general, right. in life. Um, but yeah, in, in general, I've been really lucky, like, in my work environment and, and working here. Like, What about uh, how people respond to you? Do, you? do you find that people respond to you, maybe they take longer, or they, maybe they think they can sort of charm you a little bit with, like, their response to an answer? Um, anything anything like like that like I don't know maybe I mean I'm also like really friendly in general yeah. like when I go into things so like if they if that helps them open up to me then that's all fine and if they want to do that in return then that's fine right um so it hasn't been too much of an issue I think yeah no, it's it's interesting I'm, I'm pushy when I need to be <laughs> yeah no it's it's different for sure for for everybody you know they got their own issues you know um, when, when they go out and report but it's important like we, we got to educate yeah. people you know all the time when we're in those interactions the state of the media the landscape right mm -hmm. now okay so uh news hawk we're 24 7 you know yeah. and, and we know tom bolton like 
is probably Mr. listening to the scanner right now. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Breaking News, you know, and like, like, wow, I can't believe we know about that car crash and it's up in 10 minutes, you know? So like, yep. um, we, we have that, you know, and then we've got like government reporting, you know, we, everybody's got their niche and we kind of okay. do the best job we can. Um, can you talk about the local media landscape, you know, and sort of like, you know, what that, where, where does News Talk fit in? And, mm -hmm. You know, where are growth areas? And, you know, what do we need to do better? What are we doing well? Can you put, put yeah. in context? Yeah. yeah, I'd say we, like you said, we do the like daily bread and butter, like government reporting, schools reporting, breaking news. Like, you know, if you ask someone, okay, what went on yesterday? Like we would have a story on probably like the big thing that happened in town if there was something. Um, so I think we do all that really well as like our news foundation. And like, I would say in news in general, and I know other outlets in town struggle with this too, is like, if you have fewer people over time, I think probably everyone except us has fewer people now than they did 20 years ago, right? Because we didn't exist. Um, then you, with fewer people, you're less able to do those longer form investigations, special projects, stuff that takes more than two days to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's a big part of why I want to do it because some stories, I have a huge list of stories and I just think, well, if, if we don't do this, I don't know if anyone else will. So I really want to make sure that we get around to this right. if we can, um, because you know it's stuff that we know is important to, for the community and to report on. Mm -hmm. um, but that can be hard if you feel that pressure to that if you miss it, it might be missed. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, as you know, I worked at the News Press and like I got mm -hmm. hired in 1999 and uh, that was the yeah. paper. Like, well, the, the New York Times still owned it then, New York right? Times still owned yeah. it and it was just a, I remember walking in and seeing all these like people and, you know, mostly men <laughs> in suits and uh, like, suits. you know, just being <laughs> like, whoa, like we're, you know, this is a big deal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously you know, there's other outlets in town that do a great job, but I just remember feeling like, wow, this is the paper of record. And, um, you know, over time <laughs> that has changed, right? Because, you know, all this drama and ethics and, and people resigning and yeah. it's just a smaller organization. So it's like, we have all these newsrooms that are like really small, you know, they're fragmented. Mm -hmm. And so it's different Then you got something like Ed Hat, which is around, which is not journalism traditionally, but it is a place for people to get information and I know that oh, yeah. you know, they do provide, you know, they do write some original content. And so it's like everybody kind of goes all around. Yeah. It's like grazes almost. Yeah. You know? But, you know, Newshawk is really cool because it's uh, regional, you know, like we got Janine over there in North County oh, yeah. and then we got our South County, we got all these sort of things. So I think like, you know, going forward, like what are the growth areas for yeah. Newshawk? Is it multimedia? Is it, uh, you know, you know, just are we, are we always going to be photographer? We're going to hire a photographer. What are some of the growth areas? Like, what would New Sock look like in five years? Do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And like you said, I do think when you have a media landscape like this, where it's a lot of small organizations, like it can be good if everyone's not trying to do the same story, right? Like, yeah. if you're kind of, even if you're obviously you're not like collaborating, but if you're complementing each other's coverage by, you know, like, do you need four stories on the same city council meeting? Probably not. So it can work out if people do cover like different things and have different niches. Yeah. Um, and for the future, uh, I mean, I would hope Newshawk could keep expanding. Um, I'd love to get more 
like another like North County or Mid County person. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah, I, I'm multimedia and photos is something like our, our reporters mostly take their own photos. Yeah. We have freelance um, photographers, obviously, that we use a lot for wildfires and, and breaking news stuff. Um, but having staff photographers can be really valuable for those stories that you can plan for, like for the special projects and for features and the stuff that, you know, we, we can take a good enough city council picture, but those profile pictures we can either get better at or hire someone who's a better photographer for. Um, yeah, so, like so much of those are about um, equipment, you know, yeah. and external flash and being able to like control your lighting and then there's post-production stuff, you know, yeah. like in the course of our day, we just like don't have time to, to do all of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's definitely, and we would be remiss, I would be remiss in not mentioning like Barry and our sports coverage because, oh, yeah. I mean, Oh my God, we have like previews on like high school amazing. football games, yeah. you know? And so that's like fulfilling that traditional role. And so oh, yeah. obviously a lot of parents like that stuff, you know, so. Oh, and Barry's like Barry and, and our, our sports contributors and our, and our sports photographers are amazing. Like they make it look like there's way more of them than there are right. um, and covering that. And yeah, that was a really important area to move, to move into for Newshawk. And I think that that coverage is awesome and they get, I mean, just really good stories out of that. There's some amazing student athletes in this town. Yeah, and, and just the amount of headlines we get. I mean, how many stories does New South publish a day usually, like on a Tuesday or something? Oh, like like professional journalism, news, like News Hawk content yeah. is like five to 10 a day easy. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, it's just bam, 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 you <laughs> yeah. know, constantly. Um, Let's talk a little bit big picture since you're, you know, we're journalists, right? So yeah. one of the things that that I'm interested in is the increasing amount of pushback on journalists to change information after it's been published, mm -hmm. to take things down, change a headline. Um, you as an editor have to deal with this uh, often or, you know, when it comes up, you're the one who's got to deal with it. Um, what do you think, you know, because like a lot of times with my stuff, I'll get a call, I'll get an email. Well, it's online, just go in and change it. Okay. Right. You know, because it's not the print where it lives forever. You can do that. And there's, there's an ethical concern there. Like if obviously if I have a typo and I see it, I'm going to go in and fix it. Right. Um, you know, I had a, I had a thing recently with, I had an interview with somebody who was reported, quoted it. And they're like, I don't want to say that now. You know, and it's like, there's not, I mean, you know, it's right. like you can't really do that. And then at Santa Barbara City College, with the, uh, you know, with younger journalists who are learning the trade, there's a lot of pressure from young activists, you know, so like protests, like this whole thing of, yeah. so you go shoot a protest, not showing photos, you yeah. know, and like, you know, oh, oh you, you, you know, when I see myself interacting with law enforcement at this protest, it triggers me and I didn't give you permission to use my face with this photo or to use my name. And so I know the colleges are getting pressure from their peers and that's really difficult. Mm -hmm. because, you know, you're learning the craft and you know, you know that your job is to, to um, sometimes offend, but it's not your job to like trigger your peers into, you know, circumstances, you know, so can you talk a little bit about sort of like that whole thing that's come up with the rise yeah. of the internet and people sort of feeling like they have the power to tell you, take that down. Yeah. You know, how do you yeah. It's all really interesting. And I think actually a big part of it, which 
I meant to say earlier for vision for the future of news talk is a lot more community engagement like before the story is written while you're writing the story and afterward right and I think a lot of this like feedback can be a good thing in that it helps journalism organizations realize they need to be transparent with people about their process and like their decision making and how you get there because um, some people just genuinely don't understand like why why did you write that I don't think that's news yeah. even though you know standards we've learned show that it is news and people care about it yeah, yeah the when so, people do want something specifically changed not because it's wrong just because they sort of regret that they told you that or right. or something like that that's when you have to just explain like why the decision was made you know where you are coming from your perspective you want to hear from them like i'm always really open to those conversations because if people don't trust you in the community i mean we can't do our job yeah. so i think that's all really important and i think news organizations including news talk need to be a lot more open with people about explaining like how how we do what we do and and why we do it and so people know even like if you talk to someone if we talk to someone savvy, they know like, hi, we are talking and I am a journalist. So this might get printed in an article later. Yeah. Regular people, you might need to tell that to like, mm -hmm. so they understand the consequence of talking to you on the record right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been pretty good because, you know, there've been obviously incidents where yeah. um, somebody will email you directly or they'll copy me and be like, this guy's horrible or this story's horrible or change this, you know? And, you're, you're really good at sort of disarming them, you know, and, and, and whereas I'm more like, no, sorry, <laughs> you know, so, you know, that's kind of a, an editor skill to, to, yeah. be able, to be able to do that. But it's it's also difficult because if somebody says change that headline because that headline makes me feel this way, you know, it's an ethical thing. Like sometimes you think, okay, well, why not change the headline? But they're like, no, I'm not, I can't do that, you know? Right. So like, have you ever changed headlines or do you ever change headlines because you just kind of want to soften the impact? not for substance like I think we've changed them if literally like a word's missing or things like that I yeah. mean we've changed them if if it really did come across not as we intended um, and I think part of that is I mean I think that's a common problem too is just that like you spend all this time being so careful in the story and everything is right and the tone is right and then if someone else writes their headline yeah. it might not convey that perfectly. I think we see that a lot with like things going viral on social where people just read a headline yeah. and don't know what the content is. So I think you have to be really careful about your like words matter and you have to be really intentional and specific about what you say. So people, if people aren't, people might always read into things and you can't help that. Yeah. But my goal, part of my goal is to make sure that people like won't take something the wrong way because we weren't clear enough like i want to be super clear that if you took that it's just because you think that word conveys something to you that maybe doesn't convey to everyone but i want to make sure that we didn't use a word like oh you're right we shouldn't have used that word because that went a whole different direction than we meant to right yeah and uh you know a lot of times people don't understand reporters will suggest the headlines you know yeah. but but ultimately the editors write right. the headlines you know and so Right. And a lot of my stories have no headlines on them. So we, we write them. Um, so that is always helpful too. when when you, when you get one or you get suggestions because then you're like, Oh yeah. Like, and, and our headlines are pretty like straight up. Right. We don't, we're not doing clickbaity right. or like unanswered questiony type headlines generally. Right. Um, so they're usually, we're usually trying to make it very clear. Like you will know what the story is about. You're about to click on. Yeah. Yeah. Now that 
That's that's kind of makes Ox Omar like straightforward, right? You know, it's like Bill's here, always, here is news. Yeah, Bill, <laughs> Bill's always writing his column every week. This is an opinion column. Yeah, this is not news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, sort of the future of journalism going forward? Uh, you know, national media. Yeah. Um, there's increasingly like opinion is confused with journalism. You obviously yeah. we've had Fox News. We have CNN, which went really left during uh, Trump. Yeah, kind of, kind of wanted to be the Fox News of the other side, and you know, then we've got this like these other conservative cable stations, and it's not what we do. But people no. often think it's all the same, or we're all right. controlled by by something. Um, do you see? Um, how do we get back to where we can sort of like people are just like trust the the news as being news yeah. and be able to understand like that's that other stuff is entertainment. Like, yeah, it's infotainment. How, how, how do we get back to that? <laughs> yeah. Some of it, I think, like, local news has the advantage of doing that, right? Because, like, you trust what you know. Like, a lot of people will say, I don't trust the medical system, but I trust my doctor. Mm-hmm. So it can be the same thing. Like, I don't trust the media, but, like, they trust you. Mm-hmm. Like, personally, yeah. as a local journalist who lives in Goleta, right? Yeah. So I think local news has to really hold on to that and be, like, in the community, seen in the community, transparent, engage with the community, not just like put out stuff to people and then like expect never to talk to people again. Right. I think that helps because yeah, like we're, we're not like, yeah, I'm, I have no like broadcast opinion training. Like I'm, you know, none of us are, none of us are just spouting pundits over here. We're just researchers and reporting reporting and investigators and want to write stories that are meaningful to the community so you know um (laughs) just to go back when we're talking about how like readers don't often understand what we do yeah i was doing a biz hawk the the one that's like this week yeah Yeah. and um i called her up and i said you know i I, you know i heard you know next door you're really popular you've opened this new place this new studio yeah and and i want to you know i just wanted to come over you know it'd be really quick do a quick interview take some photos and you know i just it's going to be a lead item and a weekly column you know the whole pitch the first question was is it going to cost me any money and i thought wow (laughs) like i i I haven't had that question like i I have not had that question of like do I have to pay for your coverage, you know? And I'm like, I was yeah. like, it was like a two second pause. And I was like, no, like, no, this is like, like I'm approaching you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna write a story, you know, it's it's not an advertisement, you know, but yeah. it showed me there that there, there are probably a lot of people who don't necessarily kind of understand. Right. Maybe they had some other experience or something, but yeah. like, no, you, know, you don't get to look at the story ahead of time, but you also, you don't have to pay us anything either. Yeah. We're deciding that your news and yeah. we're going to go out and report it. So that's yeah. that's sort of interesting. Just this whole kind of blending of, of, of uh, this confusion that kind of happens, you know. Yeah. But, but Newsoc does a good job. You know, we just finished, finished the elections and a lot of the candidates use like, I got endorsed by this group, this organization. Newsoc does not endorse. And I get this question from time to time. Yeah. Like, why don't you guys get endorsed? You know, it's like, you know, or like stop kissing up because we're not endorsing nothing you can say. You're like, I can't even vote in the city. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, um, 
That's kind of different, yeah. right? A lot of newspapers yeah. endorse. Most of them do. Yeah. Can you just kind of tell us why NewsHawk doesn't endorse? And I know it's not your call. It's, it's you know, sort of like, you know, Bill and, and Tom, sort of that. Yeah, so that it's always, NewsHawk has never endorsed. It's always been like that since yeah. it started. Um, and I I think it's it's great for an organization our size because larger organizations usually have like an editorial board who are not like day-to-day -day reporters who are like, they're the ones coming up with endorsements, editorial opinions, et cetera. So there's that separation. If we endorsed, it would, based on our size, it would mean like we were in a room <laughs> probably talking about that. And then we're out interviewing people in an impartial way. And I think that's hard. Like people already have a hard time, like you said, separating opinion from straight news anyway. And this way they know that like, we're not, we're not, pushing anybody as an organization or personally yeah. like we want to give everyone as much voter information to make a decision for themselves as we can yeah. and so i think it, it's good because if yeah if we endorse you'd be like well who who endorsed like who who picked them right <laughs> who was in the room where it happened <laughs> right because yeah it'd be yeah, like others, one person's endorsement or all of us like, right that's the only way it could be you know yeah like you have to have a process i mean you could if you have that process and explain it to people it could be a way that that it's okay like if it's not us uh -huh. doing it right who are actually doing the news coverage and that that could be fine but otherwise that gets it gets messy i think right okay so uh just as we're kind of wrapping up here what what is uh you know, I, I don't mean to be condescending, but you're very young, you know, and my, I mean, when I started the news press, everyone was like, you know, much older, yeah. you know, and so um, what, what, like, what are your goals, you know, like going forward, like yeah. what do you, you know, do you have a big project you want to do? You're still reporting, you know, investigative thing, sort of where do you see yourself, you know, uh, the next five, 10 years as a journalist? Yeah, um, it's hard. I've been asking myself that a lot lately because I did I did a fellowship with Pointer last year that okay. was you know just kind of like developing and, and making you think more about like what you can do for like your news organization and just like what you want to do in journalism in the future and I I don't know long term I don't have like a plan yeah. um, but I really do enjoy what I'm doing now is which is having like the the editing the editing side and still getting to keep my hand in reporting I think I would I would miss not being able to do both of them. Yeah. Um, so I do really like that. I love local news. Like, I don't know who knows what the future holds, but I, I think I'll probably end up staying in, in local news and community news because I just think you can find so many more meaningful stories there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really know. Like, I love what I do and I love where I'm working right now. Um, and I have yeah lots of I have a long, long list of <laughs> stories and projects yeah. I want to do. So I guess I need to get going on that. <laughs> And Bill, Bill always calls it fossil media. But do you ever oh, miss yeah. the, the print? Do you ever, do you ever miss that? Like being able to like see that channel, like you did it. I don't miss making it all the time. That was a lot of work. Um, all day layout. Yeah, design. I'm sometimes in print because we um, we share content with the San Luis Obispo Tribune. Oh, that's right. So yeah, I've never that. seen it, but I am sometimes in print, up and slow. So I remember because. <laughs> Like, I, I love that. Like, yeah. I, 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 that's so cool. And it's also something like when I show my kids, like yeah. it's somehow realer to them to be like, oh, yeah. it's in that paper, it's online, everything's online. So it's yeah. like less special. 
But I remember being bummed when we went through San Luis Obispo. And I'm like, I want to stop. But that day, I didn't have a story. Didn't have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, our stuff gets shared, which yeah. is kind of, kind of cool. But so. I've never actually seen Newshawk in the San Luis Obispo. No, yeah. Really. So yeah, I haven't seen... I haven't seen mine. They should mail us some copies. They should mail some mail some. <laughs> I have friends in slow. Let's make them grab some on this specific day. No, like I don't, I don't, I do think print can help people, readers, and people making it like realize the like permanence of that information going out in the world, right? Because like even if we change a story after it's published, a lot of people read it beforehand. Right. So that's why like you you need to be so careful about the content you're making because you're like, once it's in the world, like people are gonna read it, or it's like, are you ready to? press submit right right and so i think like making sure people know the importance of like the quality of your work is good but i don't think it matters these days if it's print or if it's if it's digital i mean it plus you think of how much time and money is spent on creating the news content versus just creating the like physical product Mm -hmm. like not not content just like the physical manifestation of the news content and Mm -hmm. i mean it it's so much money and time yeah that we don't have that we never had to do here yeah you can just focus on the writing and the journal yeah just the news content and um you know and it's kind of cool the framing and the headline and you know and and, uh and we're we're eventually getting a new website and all that stuff yeah right eventually we're uh but that's that's how it works it's an evolution it's like software you're constantly getting better and better and revising yeah, you know. which we've we've we're already on like I think version three of this website. I don't know if you remember the really early one that was very cramped and had very narrow columns. In the yeah, that was that was the one I I came into. Um, so this one's better. This one's better than that. But yeah, in the future it'll just be like we're we're ready. We're ready for an upgrade. So we're gonna we're gonna change to WordPress eventually, and then we'll have a lot more customization. And that I think will be cool because if we when we have special projects. We can actually like change the home page to display them better and like with really big pictures and things like that. So they every story won't have the same presentation. Mm-hmm. Like if we do, if we want to make it different. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, that's cool. A little that's more super, customization. That's super sometimes cool. we have a picture that I just want to make gigantic because it's amazing. Sure. <laughs> and now we'll be able to do that. All right, that's super exciting. Let me give you the last word here. Um, in, in all the media landscapes, the, the, the choices people have, okay? For okay. those of you, for those people who are like listening, what is news uh-huh. You know, just kind of close us out with like why they should sort of maybe check us out online. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming everyone listening to your podcast is already a fan of you and of NewsHawk, but honestly, we're just, I think our, our, tagline is like the freshest news and information in Santa Barbara and really it's just that like we we're everywhere we have really hardworking professional journalists like everyone is has taken journalism classes and has strong ethics and is a really interested curious person like we are the kind of news staff where if someone wanders by something and wants to know what it is we figure you have to and we'll write a story about it and you can send us in stories to write about and we'll just have everything you want to know when it happens yeah. on there yeah and then i would just say too and this is like 100 like percent we are so impartial like internally <laughs> like yeah. the, some people might think oh they're a little too this way or that way yeah. like i can assure you we're like yeah. down the middle like in, right. in terms of our even like internally not just like oh we need to present this way like yeah we're, we're like we need to just right we want to wait that's a good point. Like we we present things 
as best we can as, as they happen. We're not trying to do frame things a certain way, angle things a certain way. We're trying to make it like you were there, yeah. like the reader was there. If you were there, this would be the takeaway that you had from it. So there you go. Now you don't have to watch that five hour meeting. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate the conversation, Diana. I thought it was really cool. Very enlightening. Yeah. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having me.